Welcome. You're listening to the Expository Word Podcast with Kimber Kaufman. Currently, we are in a series from the New Testament book of Matthew in chapter 6, and Kimber is teaching through the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for joining us. Let's turn now to Kimber. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 6. If you don't have your Bibles, it's one of those rare occasions where it won't hurt you, really, because I'm sure everyone knows this. This is the most famous the most popular, the most often memorized and quoted portion of Scripture, with the exception, possibly, of John 3.16. This is the prayer that Jesus said, which we could all say, Our Father which art in heaven, you don't have to, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and such as you know it. Now, Jesus Christ is teaching us in this Sermon on the Mount, it's the King teaching his subjects. And he is teaching us about all kinds of things. Spiritual disciplines, attitudes, how to treat people, and such. In the sixth chapter, he begins to tell us about prayer. And he says some things that you should not do. For instance, don't repeat the same words and the same phrases over and over. When you pray, don't just keep saying the same thing over and over. That's what pagans do. Also, don't pray to be seen by men. Don't be going out and standing on the street corners or in the synagogues and like, well, look at that person. Look how spiritual they are. Look at their praying. In fact, Jesus says, let me tell you, long prayers do not necessarily equal good prayers. Don't make these big, long prayers with many words. That doesn't equal a good prayer. But one of the things that you need to remember when you pray is that you're praying to your Father. This is unbelievably emphasized by Jesus. It's overwhelming how how strong He is on having the concept of going to a Father when you pray. So think about it. If you're going to your Father to pray, this is introduction just before He gets to our Father, which art in heaven, by the way. It's in verses 5 through 8. He says, stop and think about it. If you time yourself, how many of you on Father's Day, now on Father's Day this may be a bad example because people call long distance, and they say, Dad, I don't want to pay any more money, and they want to get off. But how many times if your children came up to you and said, Dad, can I talk? Yes, and then they start timing. I'll give you three minutes, Dad. You know, that, that wouldn't be it. You, you don't have to, this is not something that you have to coerce God into. He is your father, you're his child, you're going to him in prayer. So rather, remember that, and also then be rather secretive about it. Don't be telling everybody about your prayer life. This is what Jesus says. When you pray, go in secret to your closet, shut the door, and stop talking about it. And your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Now that is, is really an important thing that, he, that leads up to this prayer. And then we get to this breakdown of how Jesus teaches us to pray. Please remember there's an address, our Father in heaven. Just like there's an address on an envelope, it's you're speaking to your Father, He's in heaven. Please notice this, there are six petitions. The first three concern God directly, the last three are about us. Now, please stop and think about this. Who should be number one on your prayer list? God. The first person you pray for is God. His name, His kingdom, His will being done. May His name be set apart as holy. May His kingdom be furthered. And may His will be done as the angels do it in heaven with joy. Now stop and think about it. Jesus says when you go to prayer, what should capture your minds first and foremost, and even halfway through all of your petitions, they have to do with God. 
That's amazing to think about it. But you'll see the, the brilliance of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, because if we will do this, my friends, by the time you get down here, your heart is bulging with faith and with joy because you've gotten on God's page. You've gotten to understand His mind. So just re, by quick way of review on that, please remember, you just break it down. These, this Lord's Prayer that you've heard all of your life gets broken down like this. It's about God's glory, and then it's about our needs. So keep that in mind as far as an overview breakdown to really understand it. One last thing I think is so important to see by way of this intro review is this. Prayer is not about us getting God to do what we want. Prayer is about us learning to conform to the image of God. Please, friends, if you turn on Christian television or Christian radio, 90%, I would guess, 90% of what you hear is this where you're at the center, and if you learn to pray this certain way and have this certain kind of thing, you can get God to revolve his life around you and do whatever you want him to do. But the concept of prayer is not that. It should be theocentric, God-centered. We are there to serve him. And so we start this prayer, how will be your name? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And there's the plea of the heart, not just saying those words, but thinking through those concepts and putting them to everyday practice in our life. And this is the view of life that is so important. Let me give you an illustration. If you were on a boat, a canoe, on a, a raging flood-filled river, and you were scared to death because you knew somewhere down there was a huge, huge waterfall, and you look down at your boat as you're scared to death going down this river, you see a long rope with a big hook on it. And you take it like this, and you swing it around, and you throw it, and you just happen to catch it just right around a big log, and it locks on. And you begin pulling yourself to shore. Allow me to ask you this. Are you pulling yourself to shore, or are you pulling the shore to you? Which is it? You're pulling yourself to shore. You are not pulling the shore to you. And when we go to prayer, we've got to understand that it is about getting the mind of God, getting the heart of God. James teaches the number one reason we don't get our prayers answers is because we're selfish. And it will de desperately change the way we go to pray if we follow what Jesus says. And so therefore, we need to remember some things. Conscience in our thoughts, every time we turn to God in prayer, is that we're beseeching our Father in heaven. So it's not impersonal, mechanical. It can be free and bold. You can throw yourself in your daddy's lap. It's very appropriate on Father's Day to talk like this. Sonship, daughtership, should be the controlling thought in our lives. The entire Christian life has to be understood in light of it. It's the basis for Christian conduct, according to Jesus. And so this should really capture us. And I, I've been so encouraged by the comments that many of you have made about how this is affecting your own personal prayer life. Your, your faith begins to surge. As you get up, God, Jesus could have said, address God like this, Almighty God, Sovereign Judge of the Universe. He is the Almighty God. He is the Sovereign Judge of the Universe. But that's not the way we're to address Him. We're to address Him as our Father, one who cares for His children. And these, this multifaceted relationship with God is something that is, is absolutely crucial in understanding this prayer, it, it, the brilliance of Jesus, the wisdom, I've got to tell you, the more I meditate, the more I study, and the more I, I use this own prayer in my own life and work through it, the more I start to see. I'll, that's why Augustine said he used it every day of his converted life. Luther prayed through this prayer for years. That's why you can't ever drain away, because there's so much in it. Look, for instance, our father is the parent-child relationship. Hallowed be your name. He's deity. We're worshiping him. Your kingdom come. He is the sovereign. We are his subjects. We're coming here. We're showing loyalty. We're on your side. We're here to fight for you, Lord. 
Look at this. Your will be done. You're the master. We're the servant. This is not about us getting what we want. This is about us serving you and doing your will. And look, give us this day our daily bread. You're the benefactor. We're in need. In fact, that would also show us in this prayer how interesting the attitudes, which all through this, all through this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the attitude is so important. And one thing I want you to see is look at the attitude or spirit seen in this prayer. Our is unselfishness. This is not my Father which art in heaven, give me this, give me that. This is our Father, give us this, give us that. And the point is, we're not just praying for ourselves, we're praying for the entire family of Christ. Look here, it's family devotion. Father, hallowed be your name. It's reverence. We have got in our society today sort of a, an anti-reverent view in which God's the big buddy in the sky or the man upstairs. But there is a sense, if you study the prayers in the Bible, a deep sense of reverence in the hearts of those who pray. Thy kingdom come, we're showing loyalty. Thy will be done, submission. Give us this day that we're dependent upon him. So this is so very interesting. Now, remember, there's two tables here. There's the prayers to God and for God, and then there's the prayers about our necessities and our basic, the basic needs of our life. If we had to break down now the second half of that prayer, I want you to see this. In these three petitions, I want you to notice... Number one, give us this day our daily bread. It's about our bodies. This is a prayer about the physical. This is a prayer about needs. It's the present. Give us this day our daily bread. Please understand, friends, it's a, it's a prayer for the present day. It's about physical needs. Isn't this interesting? Jesus Christ does not say, when you approach God, the first thing you do is confess your sins. Now, that's been a little bit difficult for me because I have not been used to thinking through prayer this way. But I'll tell you, I've often, many days of my life, I've gotten up to go pray, and when I have, it's been the first thing is because my conscience hasn't been clear. I've gone and I've confessed a lot of sin. That's how I've started my prayer. And oftentimes, it's led to great discouragement in my life. Can I tell you, one of the reasons is we haven't listened to Jesus. This is petition number four. Remember, there's already three about God. And the first one still doesn't deal with sins. It deals with provisions. The second thing I want you to see is this, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, and this word conscience really needs to be over here. You just need to slide it over there. Notice this, the next one, this is for next week, and I've got to be careful because I almost started preaching on this one this week, but I want you to see, forgive us our debts, it's past tense. That's the things we've done in the past in our relationships. Forgive us for those things. It's relationships, it's mental, this is body, and this is physical. And then thirdly, lead us not into temptation. That's the future. That's about our future life. In the future, don't let us go into temptation. In the future, deliver us from evil. It's Godward, it's spiritual. So there's so much to see. That is why, look at, look at this. This is so encouraging. That is why guys like D. Martin Lloyd-Jones say this. Our whole life is found there in those three requests. This is the second table now. And that is what makes this prayer so utterly amazing. Everything you can ever pray in such a small compass, our Lord has covered the whole life of the believer in every respect. That is why theologians down through the ages have said everything you can ever pray is found in this prayer. You cannot go outside of this prayer to really pray for anything else. Our Lord brilliantly, in a small way, just lays it out. Boom, boom, boom. One concise statement after another, enlarging our hearts and, and helping us understand prayer. It's absolutely amazing. So we're going to a Father who loves us. And that's, that's supposed to dominate our thinking. And we need to remember that. Now, let's get then to the phrase today. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you're like me, and I've got to be honest here, that as I've worked through this prayer for the last month, 
This is the, of the six petitions, this is the one I was the least excited about. And here's why. It doesn't seem to make sense. Our cupboards are full at our house. Our freezer is full. Our refrigerator is full. There's no hunger pangs in my stomach right now. Some of you may have them and hope that I hurry. But there's no hunger pangs. And even if so, if I walk through the grocery store, here's Kroger's open 24 hours, and there's just packed full food from high up. Sometimes you can't even reach it all the way to the floor. You guys take care of me. I've got plenty of money. I can go buy anything I want in Kroger's. In case it's late, let's just say something. It's a 24-hour Kroger's, but there's a 7-Eleven markets. When you stop to get gas now, you've got more food in there than most countries seem to have. Think about it. There's restaurants. What do you want? Some restaurants, you can order Italian, American, Japanese, all, all in the same restaurant. Or you can go to a specialty restaurant. They're just the best. You want, ooh, la la. You want that exact thing. You can get that at that restaurant. So it's sort of hard to, be, to say this. Are, are Kim, are you serious? Are we supposed to go give us this day our daily bread? I mean, come on. Isn't it rather obvious that I'm going to get it? Well, friends, I, I want to break this verse down word by word. I want us to really get into the what Jesus was teaching us on give us this day our daily bread. First off, understand this. Bread not only represents food, but it is symbolic of all our physical needs. I mean, if you just took this prayer literally, the only thing you should ever eat is bread. Because that's what you asked for. So it's not just bread. It means a broader concept than that. Martin Luther believed it to be everything necessary for the preservation of life, including food, a healthy body, good weather, a house, a home, a wife, a children, good government, and peace. By implication, all the needs of life. Now please notice, please notice, not luxuries, but needs are asked for. Why? Because luxuries come to our hurt most of the time. I defy you to find something different, but the Bible talks about riches and luxuries as turning your heart away from God. Never do you see it being a benefit to you spiritually. It's always, uh uh-oh, it's harder for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh Uh-oh, it's more difficult in this situation. And so you see, this is not a prayer about, Lord, give me a new boat. This is not a prayer about, oh, Lord, help me to get that number one rated consumer report is stereo. It's not a prayer about that. Not that we couldn't ask about those things. I Some people in their life may be in such a position with God that they could. But I'm just saying that's not the point here. The point is this is a prayer about daily needs, about being provided for in the basics. And it's, again, the, the implications, the necessities of life. In fact, I, I want you to notice something more in regards to this. This prayer petition is also an affirmation. This is why it is appropriate for those who are well-fed. Now, here's why you should make this prayer if you don't have to worry about the next meal. If you're guaranteed that you've got enough food in your freezer to last you a month, you can still make this prayer sincerely. Why? Because, look, it's affirming James 1.17. Every good thing we have comes from the gracious hand of God. It is, friends, listen. So by making this first petition on the second table, the fourth petition, actually, of our need, we should be kept from forgetting God. This is so very important. One man put it like this. When all our needs are met and all is going well in our lives, we are inclined to think we're carrying our own load. We earn our own money, buy our own food and clothes, pay for our own house, 
Yet even the hardest working person owes all that he earns to God's provision. Our life, breath, health, possessions, talents, opportunities, all originate from resources that God has created and made available to man. After scientists have made all their observations and calculations, there remains the unexplained element of the design, origin, and operation of the universe. It is unexplained, that is, apart from God who holds it together. In the book of Deuteronomy, in many places, God says to Israel, when you enter that land and you live in houses that you did not build, and you use fields that you did not plant, and there you are with all of this land that flows with milk and honey, and you've got everything you want, be careful lest you forget God. Now, friends, this is so important to understand this. The Bible says things like this in Psalm 103, you open your hand and you provide the needs of every living creature is what the psalmist says about God. And one of the things that's so exciting about this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is, is this, friends. Listen, we've talked at College Park many, many times about the hole that we have in our heart. You have it. You have a hole in your heart. And that is that, I'll illustrate it like this. Years ago, about 1987, we bought a 1985 Ford Escort. It had four doors. It had the sort of the mag wheels, and I really liked it. It had the, the, a sunroof on it, even. It had 14,000 miles on it. It was a two-year-old car, and we got it right before we left on Florida for vacation. You know, I was so excited, and we jumped in that car, and we took off for Florida. We stopped at the first gas station, you know, like in southern Kentucky or northern Tennessee, and I noticed just as we were pulling in that the red oil light came on. I thought, huh, well, you know, somebody had this car before, 14,000 miles, and I don't know what, it must be something. So I put a quart of oil in, filled it up with gas, and off we went. But six hours later, traveling through northern Georgia in the middle of the night, the red oil light came on. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, in, to Florida and back, it was something like eight or ten quarts of oil, I can't remember, in that car. It, it, it burned oil. These people said, how many miles did you get the gallon? I said, gas or oil? You know. <laughs> now, the, the, the thing I want you to remember is this. We have that same problem as that Ford Escort. Your heart has a hole in it. It gets filled up with truth. You rejoice. You see things clearly. Your faith is strong. And it slowly leaks out. That's why you go to church. You go to church. And that's why Steve had you singing songs back and forth. That's why we sing to God. That's why you have a sermon being preached. Do you know what the point of it is? You study the New Testament. It's to build your faith. To build you up in the most holy faith. It's to help you and to make you stronger. When you have personal devotions... That's what it's about, to build your faith. When you fellowship with Christians, what's it about? To build your faith. Now, friends, listen to me. What greater way to keep that heart filled with oil than every single day say, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, I know my refrigerator's full, Lord, but I come back looking. You have provided all that I have is from you. You're the one that's given me the ability to make wealth. You're the one that has provided for me in this way. And so what a, what a way of not just saying, give me this day our daily bread, but Lord, even though we may have a refrigerator's full, maybe one day in this country we won't. But what if we, when we do, it's still a way of drawing us close to God. Now let's break this down even further. That was the word bread and understanding it. How about give us? It just means this, supply for, furnish. It's the heart of supplication. Here we recognize our need even if God's already provided for it. In other words, even if we do have it all, we still say, oh God, we realize today you've provided this for us. Thank you. All that we have comes from you. So we say, give us, provide for us, we recognize our need. But let's break it down even farther. Let's go to the word us. What about the little word us there? What does that mean? That's this day. Let me find us here. Hang on. Us, here it is. 
Look, us, those who belong to Him. Us is clearly give our Father, our Father, O-U-R, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. It's not me, me and I, but it's the whole family. Here we recognize that this is, is, He's providing for His children. There is a, a theological statement that's very crucial to the Bible being made here. It's give us this day. It means this. He's our Father. We're His children. We have been adopted. Look at John 1.12. Yet all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Recently on Thursday, I was speaking at a, at a, at a, at a luncheon. And at that luncheon, a guy came up to me afterwards I was speaking, and he says, well, you know, Pastor, I appreciate what you have to say, but you know the way I think about it is this, and he went on to give me his theology. And in doing so, he says, you know, I understand God loves all men. And God is the Father of us all. To which I waited for him to finish, and I said, Sir, I appreciate what you're saying, but you're wrong. God is not the Father of all men. If there's one thing clear in the Bible, it is this. Jesus Christ must be your Lord and Savior, or God is not your Father. Look what it says right here. To those who received Him, to those who received Christ, to those who believed in His name, He, God the Father, gave the right to become the children of God. You, do, you are not a child of God expect, except by a special gift of Jesus Christ that you receive. This is so important for us to understand. So when we say give us, we're not just thinking of all people, but we are thinking of red, yellow, black, and white that have come to receive Christ. That's the us. So we remember that. In fact, look at this verse. Jesus speaks, I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Notice this. The rewards here spoken about the kingdom by Jesus have to do with eternal life. And please notice also that the rewards also include this age. That's now. Right now. And the point that Jesus is making is when you surrender and sacrifice to serve me, you are going to be taken care of. That's the idea of us. He'll do it. So give us this day our daily bread. God cares for his people. He cares for his children. Now, I do not. I, 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 this, you always get in trouble when you say anything like this and turn people off. But I will say this. I have strongly would rate myself as a Calvinist, and now a lot of you can start running for the doors. But I will tell you this, I am not at all meaning by that that God does not love all men. He certainly does. You cannot find a scripture that says He doesn't love all men. Over and over and over, the Bible teaches that. You've got to understand it. Now, there is a special redemptive love for the children of God, but God provides for even the wicked, the scripture says. And He sends rain upon the just and upon the unjust. But something that you need to remember here, friends, is this. When we say, give us, we're thinking about the redemptiveness of the plan of God to save us, and we are a part of his family. And these are the children of God. Though We can call him Abba Father. We are accepted in the beloved. We stand righteous in his eyes. We'll be there with him in heaven. He provides for him. Now, sometimes in the Bible, he provided by miracles. The feeding of the 5,000. Jesus cared. Jesus looked and he said, hey, he says to his disciples, all these people, they're going to be hungry. Jesus Christ cared that those people were hungry. And he fed them. I remember the story. I love this story. It's just so encouraging. George Mueller, have you ever heard of him? He founded an orphanage. He was the famous man of prayer from last century. And he wanted to do something for God, and he established this orphanage in which he said that here was the basis of it. We will never ask man for anything. This will only be asked of God. He'll provide. 
It's amazing. In a matter of like 12 years, $8 million back in the 1800s came in. <laughs> it's amazing. But one morning, listen to this. The staff put the kids to bed and the staff met and something had happened and all of the food had rotted in the freezers or refrigerator or whatever they had. I can't remember. And Mueller got everybody together and said, let's pray. And said, Father, please provide for us. Give us this day our daily bread. Tomorrow morning we've got to wake up and feed these kids, these orphans. Well, you know the story. Some of you do. It's a famous story. The staff goes, what are we going to do? And Mueller said, we've asked our Father to provide our needs. Let's just go to bed. They went to bed. The staff looked like, we're not going to go like run into town. But 5 o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on the door. It was a milk and bread truck driver. And he was horse, it was horse-drawn. Something scared the horse right out in front of the orphanage. The horse bolted and flipped the wagon over into a ditch. And he goes, you can have it all because it's just going to be wasted. And there was a whole wagon load of bread and milk. And that's a true story provided for the orphanage. Here's the point, friends. The point is, God will provide for us. If you're one of His children, listen, if you're one of His children, you may worry about are you going to have enough retirement or whether or not you get the right kind of condo on the beach in Florida, but that's not what's being talked about here. Here's the promise. If you're one of His children, He will provide your needs. You do not have to worry. You will be fed. You will be taken care of by your Heavenly Father. It's something to rejoice in. How about this word daily? Look at this. Notice the double emphasis in the verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice the double emphasis. It's this day and daily. It means come regularly, come repeatedly, come day after day. The meaning here is clear. The regular day-by-day supply of our needs. Stop and think. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to earth. He teaches us. What does He teach us on here? About prayer. When he teaches us about prayer, what does he say? He says, when you come to talk to God about your needs, you can come regularly, continually, over and over again. Stop and think about it. The invitation from Almighty God is that I want to be with my children and fellowship with them on a regular basis. Well, that ought to encourage us. You guys don't look too encouraged why I'm saying it, but you should be. It should greatly be encouraged. We're to rely on the Lord one day at a time. We're to come regularly, repeatedly. Worry comes from fretting over the future. Worry, in this very sermon, people are worrying because they're looking ahead. You also get all frustrated when you look behind. But Jesus says, look at live today. He promises to provide it daily, not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, but daily he'll provide. Think about that. Think about this part of it, though. That on a regular, repeated basis, again and again, God wants you to come to him. Now recently, in the last month, I've gotten on email. And I can tell by emailing people, Saturday I got 24 email letters. It's really exciting. And you know something about email? I, I, I'm so excited. I turn my computer on. I can't wait for that thing to come on. And once it goes, yeah, it says you, a little flag goes up. You've got mail. I'm going, yes. And I start reading those mails. And I, just, I get the biggest kick. Yeah, I got another letter. I wonder who this is from. And you, you don't always know their name because they got some weird name number up there. You know, and, you're, and all of a sudden you realize who it is and you, just, you start typing them back. And you know, I, I love it. But I can tell that I'm a little bit overboard right now. And, <laughs> For instance, I email everybody every single day. You email me, you get it back the next day. Or, or even 10 minutes later, you get it back. Because I, I love turning that thing on and using it. And I'm realizing some people, you know, they'll make little statements and then they're like, we'll talk to you next week, Kim. You know, they say things like that. And I understand that. But can I tell you, 
if I could use email as an expression of prayer that our Father is like me, He wants to hear from you. How often? Daily. How often? Regularly. You mean the Almighty doesn't get bored with me? No. You mean when I come to present to Him requests about my physical body, He doesn't care? No! He loves it! He wants it! The invitation has come this day, daily. It's come again and again. That ought to be exciting. I'll tell you something else. Do you want a better relationship with God? You come daily to Him, regularly. Remember we talked before, this is a morning prayer. You get up in the morning and you say, give us this day our daily bread. Let me give you an illustration. On our street, the bus stop is right out in front of our house. And so everybody that's going to ride the bus, they come down our street and they're out the end of our driveway. Well, two years ago, um, there's three families now on our block that go to our church. And, and three years ago, the Redmonds lived down the block maybe 200, 300 yards. And so Tom... On that particular year, most mornings drove his daughter down in his car or walked her down or, or something. And Tom goes to our church. He's a friend of mine. And I would walk my girls down the driveway three to five mornings a week, depending on if I had to leave early or not. Um, if I had to leave early, I'd be gone. But if not, I'd be there, and, and I'd walk them down. And so Tom and I had a whole year of little two- to three-minute discussions, sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes 15 minutes. If you had to say to me at the end of that year, who is one of your closest friends? Right at the top of my list would have been Tom Redman. It wasn't that we had huge long periods of fellowship, but it was day after day after day after day. Little tidbits of how we were doing. We could catch up, we could start a conversation and pick up right where we'd been the day before. And there is something here, friends, where you stop and think, some famous person, and you, you happen to be privileged enough to have a number where you can call them and they'll answer the phone and talk to you. How much more our Heavenly Father bids His children to come day after day. Remember, this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. When we went through Samuel, we would always have application points, but we'll do it a little bit differently on this one. We'll do principles of... Um, from this prayer. And somehow I've mixed up my overheads. Let me find them real quickly here. Got them. Look at some of these principles that we can learn. Just principles of life from petition four. Look at this. God cares about us physically, our bodies. Now stop with me and think a minute. Really. This prayer, it's amazing. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. When it comes to our request, the first thing is about bodies. Now, I told you, I've often sort of had this concept where i got to pray first about my sins, but that's wrong. In this order of preference, that comes later. You've talked to your Heavenly Father, you've adored Him, you've worshipped Him, you've furthered His cause, you've wanted His will to be done, and you've cried out about what He's concerned about, and now you're going to pray, and the first thing that you're supposed to bring up to God about yourself is physical needs. This is about your body. Now, some churches, and I don't mean to make fun, I grew up in a church that was a little bit like this where people would say things like this. They would go up witnessing and they would say things like this. Is your soul saved, brother? That's what they'd say. And there's sort of this emphasis like the body's not important. But think about this. Jesus spends much time healing people, healing people's bodies, feeding and nourishing their body. He was anxious that the crowds weren't fed. The Bible is not a book about soul salvation. The Bible is a book about whole, W-H-O-L-E, salvation. 
And central to the Bible, central to the gospel, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the promise that believers will be risen from the dead. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we need to understand God cares about our bodies. Stop and think about this. Glorify God in your body. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Jesus was anointed by the woman with expensive oil. Judas Iscariot criticized it. Jesus didn't. He commended it. Romans 1, you sin sexually, you sin against your body. 1 Corinthians, the body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. This is a big thing. And we need to remember, God cares. The Father of the universe cares about us physically. And we can bring our needs and request to Him about that. Secondly, living for God is to be done one day at a time. Again, this day daily. Look at verse 34 later in this sermon. Flip over to chapter 6 and look at verse 34 real quickly. If you have your Bibles, and notice what it says. He's talking about worry. And in the 34th verse of this chapter, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Luther said, There are two days for which I live, this day and that day. This day meaning today, that day meaning the judgment. <laughs> and th- this is really interesting. James says, now you that say you're going to go to such and such a town and tomorrow you're going to buy and sell and get gain. Don't say that. You should say, if the Lord will, because you do not know what a day may bring forth. So there's a real emphasis. People talk about this, but it's really true. Living for God is to be done one day at a time. I would make a quick statement here. This does not mean, I do not think, I think you're overreading the verse if you mean that you should never buy insurance, that you should not ever save that, because there's other principles of Scripture that talk about that. So some people take this too far. Oh, see, one day at a time. In other words, I won't have anything. I'll spend all my money and just provide. Or some have even so ridiculous, I'll run up my visa cards and then God will provide one day at a time. The third point, I did this with the first group. I don't want you to see it. I thought it was going to be good. And the more I think about it, I don't like it. So we're skipping that one. <laughs> the fourth point is this. Everything is better when you put God first. Before you get to this phrase, give us this day our daily bread, you spend time adoring and honoring God, and now your heart is full of faith. This is the order. You want, if your prayer life has been dull, if it hasn't made any sense, I'm telling you, start doing what Jesus said. I want you to note the wisdom in our Lord's teachings. I already mentioned that He starts with the body and moves to spiritual things. Again, we see how right our Lord is. The first thing necessary is that our body be provided for so we can continue in this present world. Secondly is the need for cleansing from defilement and the guilt of sin. Thirdly is the need for being kept from sin and His power. Past, present, and future. Or future, or present, you know how I mean it. You know how that is. Sixth, and I say this with love in my heart, but I say it because as a minister of the gospel, I think I should. The name it and claim it idea that is so popular today on Christian television and in so many churches that God wants everyone to be rich is wrong and is not taught as the basis of real prayer life by our Lord. He's talking about needs, not luxuries. There's tremendous perversion going on. Remember, friends, this is not about God getting God in some secret magical formula to revolve his life around us. This is about us getting to get the hold of the mind of God. Boy, I, I say this with tenderness in my heart. My mother-in-law who died of Lou Gehrig's disease, I have her Bible in my office, and she, she, it was the Bible she had the last two and a half years of her life while she had the disease. And she's got all kinds of neat notes and highlights in there. But you know one thing she says in great big bold letters, 
she puts the date down and she says, I finally have made an amazing discovery. I have found out on this day that God is right and that I am wrong. She didn't get what she wanted, but still God answered her prayers. The real value and purpose of prayer is that we don't drag the shore to us, we drag ourselves to the shore. And the real value of give us this day our daily bread is that we're going to stay in tune with the Father. We're going to get to know Him. We're going to be close to Him because day after day we draw near Him. Our Father desires this regular fellowship with Him. (laughs) Think about that. That that, that is mind-boggling. With all the majestic heavens above us, fantastic things we see created in this world, and the Father desires fellowship with us. He doesn't get tired of it day after day, daily. And lastly, this makes us understand our utter dependence on God. You know why, friends? If God willed it, we could have no daily bread. Think about all the high technology we have. We think we're hot stuff. One little ice storm and we're all shut down. Come to think of it, our, our email lines won't even work with those ice storms sometimes. <laughs> I mean, we can be completely shut down by God just like that. Think about it. This is a prayer of humility. This is a prayer of realizing on a daily basis, I need the Lord. This is a prayer where we go to Him and say, please take care of us, Father, and He has promised to do it. We don't have to beg or plead. We just have to ask in faith. Because we have a Heavenly Father who loves us. It's to you, Father, we conclude this service by praising you and thanking you for the teachings of Jesus Christ on give us this day our daily bread. Teach us more, Lord, about prayer. Help us to learn about secret, private prayer. Cause us, Lord, through this prayer to really know you and that your will would be done through us. Your kingdom would be furthered through us. Your name would be honored through us. And then, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for promising to provide for us because you're our Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And that concludes this episode of the Expository Word Podcast. We hope you will join us here for more messages from Kimber Kaufman. Take care.